If you would, please turn to the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. I will be reading Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you use me as a vessel, as a pastor, as a teacher, by your Spirit, that we would not see beyond what is written, but we'll see clearly what is written in these three verses. And we'll see for our own lives the application of that we too, as these apostles, can see and be changed and walk with you, being vessels for your kingdom. Do that in our midst this morning, Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just start off asking for you to contemplate a few questions. Do you desire to be used by God for His kingdom in this world? Do you desire to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Do you desire to shake off doubt and fear, worry, and discouragement in your life. If you do, then there's help from our passage this morning in these first three verses of Acts. Because if, in what we just read, and we will read again, slowly unfolding it, if that is enough for the apostles then certainly it's enough for any of us believers today in the 21st century. And so here's my application before the sermon, and I'll come back and do it again, that I hope we see out of this for our lives. And that is this. First, in, in real heartfelt prayer and through what is written, the Holy Scriptures. We are to be desiring the Lord to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we are to be banking all of our hope for our future on the fact of Jesus' bodily resurrection, conquering death and offering joyful resurrected immortality to us. And thirdly, 
We are to be teachable. We are to constantly be putting ourselves in positions to be taught the teaching of the apostles in order to grasp the word of God. And all of this I'm going to try to show is in these three first verses. Just briefly, this is the second week in our series on Acts of the Apostles. And so last week, it was an introduction to a lot of the basics of what is this book. And so what we have seen is Acts is written by Dr. Luke, a physician, a close friend and brother and companion for many years of the Apostle Paul. He wrote two volumes. We call one, volume one, the gospel according to Luke, and this, the second volume, the Acts of the Apostles. He wrote the Acts of the Apostles anywhere between the year 63 and 66 A.D. And what he covers here are the first 30 years of the church, from A.D. 33 to A.D. 62. We saw that what we have is a solid, documented history that focuses on Jesus building his church by the Holy Spirit, working through the preaching of the gospel, starting with the apostles. And his structure is, it begins in Jerusalem, spreads to Samaria, Judea, and then through Paul's ministry to the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, that's last week. Now, if you're there at the beginning of Acts, Luke's key word in verse 1 is the word began. Luke writes the gospel, the gospel according to Luke. And now he's done with it. And then he opens up volume 2 saying, Jesus got a good start in volume 1. And so now, this is what Jesus went on to do and to teach. In volume 2, Jesus continues to teach and to act. Read it. In the first book, that's the Gospel of Luke. In the first book, Luke, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Luke wrote his first Gospel to show us that Jesus' suffering and death was for the salvation of everybody who would believe in him. That Jesus accomplished our salvation on the cross and triumphed in his resurrection, victorious over the great enemy, death. So that's what he did in volume one. But now, having said that, Luke goes on. Jesus is not finished. Now that Jesus has risen, and then, after 40 days, ascended to the Father with all power and authority given to him, he continues to act. He continues to teach. 
He's very much alive and active, Luke is saying, 30 years later. And by implication, 2,000 years later. And that is the point of the Acts of the Apostles. If that were not true, none of you in here would be believers. If Jesus were not still active, you would not be a Christian. And there would be no genuine local churches. Jesus purchased our salvation by removing the wrath of God that we deserved because we're of our guilt in sin. And therefore, God is free to pour out the Holy Spirit in mercy upon many. And this is Luke's point here. So he, watch this. This is how Luke sets this up. He writes the first gospel. We get tons of Jesus' teachings and parables and actions in his earthly, pre-death human life. He taught, 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 and did, did, did. And then he was killed. And after he was killed, he was raised from the dead. And then he continued to teach his apostles for the next six weeks. And then he ascended to the Father. And now, since his ascension, Luke says, Jesus goes on doing stuff in teaching. And this is what Luke lays out in these 28 chapters. He first illustrates it mainly through the Apostle Peter's ministry, but you got Stephen, you have Philip, these deacons, and, and you got John with him, and so you have miracles and wonders and healings and teachings. And his whole point is that look how great Peter is. His whole point is Jesus is doing this through them. And then in the second half of Acts, he says, Apostle Paul is exhibit A, the vessel through whom Jesus is teaching and acting. That's Luke's point. And just for a moment, Paul himself, reflecting on his apostolic ministry, this is what he says about it in Romans chapter 15. Starting in verse 18, Paul says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed by the power of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God. That's Paul's reflection. My ministry is Jesus acting and teaching through me by word and by deed. He just said, whatever 
kingdom work was accomplished through me, Paul, as a vessel, was Jesus' doing in teaching. And notice the words Paul uses. It was what Christ accomplished through me in word and deed. Luke's words are this. His words are what Jesus began to do, that's the deed, and began to teach, and that's the word. So in other words, Jesus, Luke is saying, is alive. And he is fulfilling his promise to build. His church. Now, as Luke begins, really, this section, the first five verses of chapter 1, his emphasis, never, never make the jump too quickly to yourself, a non-apostle, okay? Understand context first. His emphasis of what he is saying here is that Jesus personally chose particular men to be His apostles. And that's the core around which He's building His first five verses. He chose them so that they, after His ascension, will carry on the work of founding the church. And so these eyewitness testimonies of these men to Jesus' physical, bodily resurrection and Jesus granting to them a unique authority as His personal apostles is really important to grasp what Luke is doing here. These guys are the foundation upon which the church is built. They are the foundation upon which you and I are built. Jesus' inspired, unique, foundational teaching to us comes through His apostles. Oh, we got to get that. Now, having said that, this does not mean that Jesus ceases to do and to teach with the death of the last apostle. He continues today to act by the Holy Spirit working and to teach. Not through you sitting under a tree and meditating and see if you can get new information. But continues to teach through His apostles. Because they left us their teaching. The New Testament. Jesus is still building His church. Okay, example. You can use yourself. But as a, a dumb 19-year-old kid in 1981, I came to saving faith in Jesus. He's still working. The Spirit of Christ is very active. I came to faith to those, through those two things. Jesus acting and His teaching. I 
kind of faith through the tradition, that is the teaching handed down through the apostles, and by the power of the Spirit. The book of Acts is very much alive today. So, let's look then mainly at these three verses. Really, again, I just want, okay, admit, verses 1 to 5 are really a whole unit, but it's too much to handle in one. So we'll deal with 4 and 5 next time. But Jesus does, I mean, excuse me, Luke lays out four things that Jesus did for the apostles. And all four of these they desperately needed in order to be his representatives in founding and building the church. And I'm contending that these four things, when you look at three this morning, they are the same thing that Jesus gives, even though derivatively, to all people throughout the centuries who are His, in order that they be used as His fellow workers. So, let's look at the first thing Luke tells us these apostles needed. It's right there in verse 2. They needed Jesus to give them authoritative orders. Until the day when he was taken up after... Okay, there's his ascension. And now he says, before Jesus' ascension to the right hand of God, Jesus did something. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So, during the 40 days of resurrection appearances, Jesus gave commands to his apostles. It sounds fairly simple enough. Like Matthew 28, go! And make disciples of all nations. That's his command. That's the great commission. So yes, he did that. Between his resurrection and that 40-year period before his ascension. But those of you who sit with me in inductive Bible study, you know it's not that easy if you're reading the words. Because Luke adds other words to this that make us scratch our head a little bit and say, why did he add that? What does that mean? He gave orders to the apostles, Luke says, through the Holy Spirit. What does he mean? We don't have time to do inductive Bible study, and, but I would throw it out and say, give me some options. I'm going to give you two options that I can think of. Option one, why did he say Jesus gave them? He's resurrected Christ in immortal human life, and he gives it through the Holy Spirit. Option number one is that Jesus himself was moved by the Holy Spirit to give them the command, the Great Commission. 
Option number two is that Luke is saying the commands that Jesus gave, the Great Commission, etc., they come from Jesus to the apostles through the Holy Spirit. Meaning, the apostles were greatly impacted by the Holy Spirit in the way they received Jesus' words. At least I know, look, look, Wes is thinking about it. I can see it on his face. Okay. So option two means through the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit was at work in the apostles as Jesus spoke, causing them to really grasp the command. That's option two. So let's think through that option for a moment. Okay. Luke did a lot of research in writing his two volumes. Luke did a lot of personal interviews. I am convinced Luke interviewed Jesus' brothers. I'm convinced he interviewed Jesus' mom and Mary Magdalene and so many others. And his close, intimate relationship with Paul for years and in his travels and going back to Jerusalem and he's there in Judea and Jerusalem for a few years. I'm convinced he got to meet the Apostle John the son of Zebedee. And so I bring it up as this. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, okay, this, this makes sense to me and you do with it what you want. See, Luke's writing in AD 63, 64, 65. John, the son of Zebedee, will not actually put to paper his narrative, his gospel of all these intimate sayings of Jesus until 15 to 20 years after that. But they're floating in him the whole time. And when John finally does write, John tells also about a post-resurrection command, commissioning of Jesus. And John's right there experiencing it. And this is how John puts it in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 21 to 22. Jesus he came to the room, and he said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now we'll talk about the Holy Spirit falling on the day of Pentecost, which is still yet to come at this point. What John tells us here is pre-Pentecost. It's before Jesus' ascension. And here, since Jesus, on purpose, breathed on them, the resurrected Christ, and said the words, receive the Holy Spirit. Something happened in them, to them, 
That's John's experience. He tells Luke about it. And Luke records it in his own words, saying, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So I do strongly lean toward option number two. That when Jesus breathed on them, it wasn't just a picture of what's going to happen. Something happened then, and the Holy Spirit's power significantly changed their disposition. It opened their understanding and their minds in a way they were not opened before. And their confidence in what they're being taught was growing with leaps and bounds. Their grasp of what Jesus was teaching them and what he was commanding them to do as his apostles, it went deeper than ever before. Precisely because they received it through the work of the Holy Spirit. They received the influence of God indwelling them by the Spirit, and thus enlightening the eyes of their understanding and of their hearts in a way they never saw before. Their understanding grew, and they were prepared for what Jesus will say next in verses 4 and 5. So now, guys, don't do anything yet. Wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait. A few weeks down the road, it's going to happen. Just wait. Then it'll be time. Or just another way to say it is, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Or, Jesus had given them commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, whom he had chosen. So what I think Luke is telling us is that it is through the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that the apostles received Jesus' teaching post-resurrection and his command. Their eyes were opened not merely by Jesus' physical resurrection appearances, but their eyes were opened by the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, something significant happens later on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus will talk about that the next thing he does in verses 4 and 5. And we'll get there. But Jesus commanding the apostles, his chosen apostles, through the Holy Spirit was very relevant to them. And it's relevant, that dynamic, to every one of us today. For any of us sinners to come to Christ, to be used by Jesus, we must also receive Jesus' commands through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
That's how Luke sees it. I mean, he, he gives the story, what happened with Lydia in chapter 16. So down the road, very much like us, she's not an apostle. She hears the gospel, comes to her. Paul's preaching the gospel. And then Luke makes this comment. The Lord... Okay, I don't think he did that apart from the Holy Spirit, what we're going to read. So that's the, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, or Jesus acting. The Lord opened Lydia's heart so that she could pay attention to Paul's teaching. The work of the Spirit did something in the way she heard and received. And if you're a Christian today, that's true of you also. That's the first thing Luke tells us these apostles needed. Jesus' divine authoritative command to them through the Holy Spirit. Now, that work of the Holy Spirit is directly tied to the second thing the apostles needed. Obvious. And that's Jesus' resurrection appearances. Let's read verse 3 again. Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Appearing to them during 40 days in speaking about the kingdom of God. Oh, they needed that. They needed many resurrection encounters with Jesus. One is not good enough. Did somebody put some wild mushrooms in our stew? Okay, if you don't know it, they could be hallucinogenic, okay? But I, I, it's kind of funny, but it's also real. Did that really happen? Was I dreaming? No, you were awake too, but are we, are we in our dream talking? Okay. They needed many proofs. And they needed it for their ministry because no one, and not just them, but ultimately us, can be useful for the kingdom of God and vessels of Christ if we do not think Jesus really bodily rose from the dead to new human immortality. They would not do what they will end up doing. They needed it. The evidence that these apostles had was their own eyes and their own hands touching him after they saw him die and their own ears again and again hearing him teach them and talk to them and address them corporately by name. That's their evidence. And the evidence for us 
is their testimony. And the eye-opening work of the Holy Spirit as we hear their testimony. See, for them, once Jesus was brutally humiliated and killed, those 11 guys were utterly disillusioned and in fear and ready to go back to Galilee and restart their fishing businesses. Until they were convincingly persuaded that Jesus had actually broken the power of death and that he was truly alive with indestructible resurrection power. And so over the period of these long, long 40 days, Jesus appeared and ate with them and taught them over and over and over and over again. And so that by the end of the 40 days when He ascends to heaven, here, here's Luke's words, these guys had, quote, many proofs. Their hopes, their goals, their lives were radically changed. And they were ready now. They were ready for their apostolic ministries. They needed that. Notice the third thing, then, that Luke tells us these guys needed. And Jesus gave it to them. Verse 3, again. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. These guys needed teaching. They needed instruction. During their journeys with Jesus over three years, and hanging out with Him in ministry, serving Him up and down, Israel from Galilee to Judea and back, they were mostly bewildered. They were mostly lost. What are you talking about? I'm not getting it. Well, they will get it, and they will let us know what he said earlier, and they get it now, but not then. The Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and die. No! They, they don't get any of this. And he does die. And Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And so Luke tells us now, through the experience with Jesus in his resurrection appearances, the work of the Holy Spirit upon their hearts, through the Holy Spirit, 
They needed Jesus to teach them. They needed Jesus to constantly now connect the theological dots for us. What does this mean? They needed Jesus to teach them about the kingdom of God. Its meaning. Its application. How it works. How it's related to the ministry that will be coming. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Which he will talk about next in the next couple of verses. Jesus needed to teach them. What is it that has happened in my life? What was my death about? And the resurrection. And what will shortly be taking place on Pentecost and beyond, which Luke then unfolds for us in the book of Acts. Jesus needed, and they needed Him to, constantly teach them these things from the Bible. Jesus, post-resurrection, was their desperately needed Bible teacher. That's what He gave them. And you say, well, wait a minute, that's, where do you see that? It's right there. Many, 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 many appearances over a long 40 days speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Yeah, but where do you get all this? Okay, Luke has already written volume 1. And his, what he gives us in volume 1 and in volume 2 are very selective. We don't, there are so many resurrection appearances and teachings we just don't have recorded now. So, for instance, you go back to volume 1, and Luke has already told us about, I'll show you a couple, but here's one that Je he told us about Jesus post-resurrection teaching his disciples in chapter 24 of Luke. Starting with verse 25, we read this. And Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into His glory? And Luke says this then. And Beginning, so this could have been a six-hour session for all you know of teaching. And then beginning with Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Or in another appearance that Luke gives us in volume one, Chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. There's the apostles. They're in a room. And then Luke picks up. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now watch this. Luke says, Then Jesus 
opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Could that not be exactly what Luke means at the beginning of volume 2? He commanded them through the Holy Spirit. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You guys are my witnesses to these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. So Luke has given us a good taste of what he means by teaching about the kingdom of God in post-resurrection appearances to his chosen apostles. And what will be unfolding then throughout the book of Acts through the apostles then is owing to their getting from Jesus these three things, and particularly the fourth thing, next week. Without it, you won't have the book of Acts. And so, what are those three things again then? They got this personal command or commission straight from the resurrected Jesus through the working of the Holy Spirit, causing their hearts to see and grasp it. Secondly, it was through their experience of numerous resurrection appearances that proved to them it wasn't mushrooms. That beyond a shadow of a doubt, this same very human being we lived with and ate with, and he went to the bathroom over there and we went over there, it was killed. He really is very much, truly alive, conquering death. They needed it. And thirdly, they needed much personal Bible teaching from the resurrected Lord Jesus. And they got it. Is it no wonder that the fisherman Peter, who's half confused most of the time, will stand up a few weeks later on the day of Pentecost and he's got scripture just blue, just flowing. Where is he getting it? Why is he getting this teaching so quickly? From Jesus. This is what the prophet Joel talked about. In this Psalm of David, Jesus, whom you killed, is the fulfillment. And on and on. I'm excited. I'm excited to read Luke's second volume with you. So let me just close this morning and say this. What we do see here in verses 1 to 3 about the apostles should drive every one of us Christians today in our lives those same three things. What I mean is this. First, we are constantly in need of the divine command to us. It's all over here. It's God's holy word. 
But I'm not done with that statement. We're in constant need of hearing the commands of God. Believe. Trust me. Come unto me. Go. Make disciples. Repent. Confess. We are in constant need to hear the divine command through the Holy Spirit. Opening the eyes of our hearts to see again and again and again the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Secondly, oh, how we need the Holy Spirit to convince us and to keep us centrally convinced of the testimony of the apostles that Jesus really did rise from the dead to human immortality forever. He died for us, our sin and our salvation, and rose victorious. And He will come again. And thirdly, how we are in constant need for teaching. For being instructed by the word of Jesus through the scriptures, the gospel of the kingdom. And so, as we now are preparing our hearts as a local church, the community of Christ, to partake of his body and his blood in remembrance of him, the central historical act in all history. Let us then continue to submit ourselves to the Word of God and to the ever-present working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our midst so that we too will experience again and again empowering and in filling of the Holy Spirit that Jesus will go on and talk about next week. Let's pray.